You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Support of the Locked On SEC Football Podcast comes from Manscaped number one, immense blow to book grooming. May have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision engineered tools for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On at manscaped.com. 20% off manscaped.com with the promo code Locked On. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Check out that site. You'll know more about the NFL. Uh, you'll know more about college football, and you will certainly know more about recruiting and coaches in general as well. I'm fired up about this Clemson-Texas A&M game, Chris, and um, you know we get into the whole debate of uh, who's better, the ACC or the SEC, and uh, certainly we got a situation where Jimbo Fisher changes his mind depending on which conference uh, he's in. But ha- as you grade the the conferences from top to bottom, how would you compare and contrast? Because you've got two elite teams at the top, and then it gets a little bit more interesting as we uh, break down the conferences uh, throughout. How how do you view them? I'm not going to ask you to t- tell me which one's better because right. I, we could we could argue that in a million different ways. But how do you view them as far as top to bottom? Well, you know, full disclosure, when I when I grade teams, they're, you know, college teams I, I, and I, pro teams as well. But obviously college is so important where you rank them. Um, I grade them in a number of areas. It's probably a good topic one day when I can go into more detail. But there are about 20 different areas. So I break them down into a number of things. I evaluate. In about 20 categories, I look uh, about eight or nine on offense, same on defense, and, and about five or six on special teams. And I look at, try to, when I grade everybody, and I think that's important because if you don't grade all the teams, people think, well, you just look, all you got to do is look at the five. Well, you can't look at the five. If you're only, let's say you only got five teams and you're trying to pick the four best. Well, you got to know a, a whole lot, just as much about all the teams that they play and to get a good feel for the five. And so when I break them down, I, I've never really been all that. I've never been able to evaluate, nor do I know how to evaluate a conference. That to me, uh, I, I can identify having been to all of those facilities, been around all those programs, tell you how they differ. And there's some there's some uh, geographical uh, similarities, but as conferences are grown, eh, you got some outliers there. I mean, you know, West Virginia, Big Twelve. I mean, it's a you know completely. I mean, from a style standpoint, offensively, yeah. From how they recruit and what they, it's completely different. It's, it's, uh, so, you know, when I grade teams, I just grade them and, and I put them, and then after you're done, I, without any interest or regard as to what conference they play in, couldn't care less, you evaluate the teams. And then if you look at it, then you can say, oh, by the way, of how I grade all these teams in the blue category, uh, there happens to be, you know, X number of ACC, X number of SEC, whatever. But what, what makes the best conference? 
Does it make A, the most national championship contenders? Does it make um, the most, you know, next level type teams? Does it make the most number of quality middle of the conference type team? Is it more emphasis on the bottom of the league? Because I got to tell you, they're good players, good coaches, good teams everywhere. And, you know, people have a moving target when they talk about conferences. Oh, but yeah, look at my conference. Look at so-and-so. Yeah, that team, but that team represents the conference, but it's not the whole conference. So it's like, it's kind of like, you know, you, you talk about, you know, uh, Man, we got a great family, but you never talk about the uncle. That's kind of the embarrassing part of the family in Thanksgiving. <laughs> you just kind of like, you know, all right. So, you know, if you want to take shots, for example, in the SEC, because that's where it's most bragged about. There's most passion in the SEC by SEC fans. People will say, man, Arkansas and Ole Miss are bad. You know, they're not really, they're really not very good. And and you know what? At least what I've I've seen and what I anticipate this year could be proven wrong, and, and we'll be here to break it down for you. But you know, uh, I mean, Duke and Wake Forest and people like that—they're every bit as good as Ole Miss. They're better, you know, in in most cases right now. Maybe not always, but maybe not historically. But I, I think sometimes there's this assumption: oh man, the gauntlet. This. You know, it's not that good in the SEC top to bottom right now this year early on. I think we're going to – I mean, we all know what's going on in Knoxville. We know that Vanderbilt's not all that good. Uh, I think Missouri and South Carolina are going to bounce back and have better seasons. But, you know, it it, it makes the conference look – you call it what it is. When Tennessee can be what Tennessee can potentially be – that's another big national power contender, potentially, that is just not a very good team. And, and just like a Missouri and a South Carolina or anybody, a Kentucky, is going to be thought of a little bit better because they're better than Tennessee, or you know, at least they appear to be at certain points in times as a program last year, this year, even though you know, you uh, one game uh, head-to-head might not indicate it. That has an effect within the conference, or it has an effect how it's perceived outside of the – look at the West. Arkansas and Ole Miss, really not very good. Uh, there was a point in time years ago where Arkansas joined LSU and Alabama among the top five teams in the, in the BCS, one of the final BCS standings. So, look, I, I think it depends upon how you want to rank the leagues. I do think – that what makes the SEC a little bit different is I can say that they've got two teams that I consider national championship caliber. And I don't, at this point, would not put LSU with Alabama and Georgia, but they might be. They might prove to be. I don't put anybody based upon what I, you know, until I see it. But but there, there could be three teams that could look like national playoff caliber. And if, say, AM is able to play Clemson really, really close or better, then, again, that's going to make it look – does that make it the best conference? Well, I think it does at the top, but at the bottom, 
No, they're not any better than anybody else that's got bad teams. So I don't really know. What do you think? How do you think conferences could be ranked? Because I can tell you that they're, they're, the conferences don't have a football team. You know, they're, 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 you, you have to evaluate the 10, the 12, the 14 teams within the league, and there's a different answer to every one. So where do you want to put the priority? That I have to get the criteria. You know me. There's a set of criteria to evaluate every player at each position and evaluate teams. Well, I hadn't figured out how people want to evaluate conferences because in the end, you got to say how many are, you know, tell me what it is. You want to know how many top 20 teams, how many top 10, how many national championship calibers. That that needs to be defined before you can definitively say it, in my mind. Okay, let me ask you this then. Championship caliber programs. Not right this second. But championship caliber programs. Let's 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 do it like that. How many programs, if they hired Nick Saban uh, or the perfect coach, whoever that might be, or Dabo Sweeney, uh, in the SEC, have the resources and the ability to win a national championship? Uh, and how many would be in the ACC if they hired the perfect guy? Let's, let's, let's try it that way. SEC is seven. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. Uh, those are the seven. In the ACC, Clemson and Florida State. Miami um, with a little more financial commitment, I think, would be the third. I don't think Virginia Tech year in and year out would be in that category. So I would say I'm going to go ahead and say three in the ACC. Uh, In the Big 12, there's Oklahoma and Texas. The others are sorely behind. Um, If I'm in – and that's the two. If I'm in the Pac-12, definitely USC. Oregon, Washington does. Those are the teams that can have it. Who else? Oh, the Big Ten, of course. Well, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State all have the resources um, to win, you know, national titles. Uh, there are others that are just, a, a, you know, the others are a, a little bit off. Um, you know, I think that, again, if all things are equal, those are the programs that, are the best resource-wise. Now, we'll say that what you're seeing is the programs that are the next year. So let's just say, well, I don't have to go through each conference. You know which ones are just maybe slightly below resource-wise, but are, those programs are starting to have better resources. So what what I would maybe label as developmental programs, maybe a Michigan State, maybe a Wisconsin, maybe an Iowa. Nebraska would be another one that I would put in the Big Ten historically it's been a national championship and they do have resources, but the recruiting resources are a little bit different than they were before. I would put Nebraska in that category of maybe probably would go ahead and throw them in, in the big 10 and make it four in the big 10. The others like the Michigan States, Iowa's, what have you, they're all getting a lot stronger because they're all getting a huge piece of the pie of like big 10 contracts and sec contracts, because like when you say in the in the SEC, although 
and I don't really know how to evaluate this. You better than I am being in, from the media background. But but I would say it's safe to say that an Alabama, a Kentucky basketball, uh, the, the, the blue blood programs of the SEC probably have more to do with generating high revenues, say, for the SEC network than maybe Vanderbilt does. Uh, I, you know, somebody may say, no, that's wrong. I can put, okay, fine. I, I don't, that, that would be my, but look at the, look at the check that a Vanderbilt, a Kentucky football, a South Carolina, a Missouri, um, an old Miss, Mississippi State, look at the money that they're getting and, and they're part of the SEC. They may not be the ones driving the boat in terms of revenue, but they're benefiting a great deal and they're contributing in their own way, um, just like Texas and OU drives the money in the Big 12. And so I think what's happening is those next-year guys are getting closer. That and scholarship limitations makes it possible for a Michigan State, maybe potentially a TC or one day a Baylor or somebody like maybe to get into the playoffs. So you got increased revenue from the second tier. You've got an expanded playoffs, which probably are going to go to eight one day, and then that's really going to start to open the door where some of those next years can get in. And you've got scholarship limitations, which has been in place for a long time now. But it's every year it starts to, you know, not everybody can get the best players. So the talent's more spread out. The coaching money, I mean, you don't need to leave. Nick Saban left Michigan State because the resources weren't good enough. They were second uh, fiddle in the state of Michigan, and he went to LSU. Mark D'Antonio, well, you know, is not leaving Michigan State. By the way, Mark D'Antonio is going to tie Duffy Doherty with the most wins in Michigan State history. Michigan State's got a great history in the, the pre-integration era, but he's not going. he can make as much money at Michigan State, you know, he turned down his alma mater, South Carolina. Um, you know, so now a lot of, so you got more stability. Gary Patterson could have gone many places, many times, you know, stay at TCU and make just as much money and maybe not going to be fired because he doesn't win the national title once every three or four years, like the pressure is some other place. So I think that's created a little bit more of an even playing field. Um, but that's kind of how I see the resource breakdown around the country. Yeah. And, I want to get into that Clemson, Texas A&M game, but I, I find it interesting. That's a, a good way of breaking it down. Seven teams potentially could win a national title with the resources in the ACC, uh, two or three. And uh, as, as you mentioned, as, as the water continue to rise, uh, continues to rise financially, it raises all ships. It'll be interesting to see 25 years from now Yeah, that's different. How, so, about, how, about, how about real quick, how about Georgia Tech? With with the 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 where Atlanta is going right now, where the state of Georgia is talent wise, a commitment to football with that coach. Why can't Georgia Tech be maybe right there, potentially with Florida State? Now the academic restrictions, but there is no doubt Georgia Tech more than Duke, more than Northwestern, even to some degree, you know, comparable to Stanford differently. Georgia Tech is a program to watch because resource-wise, if they're willing to spend it, recruiting resource-wise, they could be a next-tier giant, so to speak, um, and completely turn around. And, of course, 
they shared a national title once. It doesn't mean, folks, that that nobody else can win it. It just means that those other schools have the much better resources and much better chances. And there's no sport like college football that's a blue blood sport. I mean, it it, it the, the old parody thing doesn't exist in terms of winning championships nationally. Clemson, Texas, Texas A&M breakdown coming up right after this year. Locked on SEC football podcast with previews of every single game. Uh, we did about half yesterday. So if you miss your favorite team today, feel free to go back and listen to that podcast. You're locked on SEC football podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. So let me ask you this. We talked about the conferences and there will be bragging rights on the line as the premier team in the ACC and Clemson will take on Texas A&M, which is an up and coming team, but not at an elite level yet. Uh, what are the uh, major matchups we need to keep an eye on when this game unfolds? Well, you know, a lot's been talked about, Dave, how AM played Clemson so close last year. Got to remind everybody, there's somebody that was missing from that game. It was Trevor Lawrence before he had taken over. Um, that's a big factor. And so it's not like breaking news that, hey, Trevor Lawrence is a key. Well, of course he is. Didn't play all that sharp last week against Georgia Tech. Imagine he's going to play a lot better. Um, I, I think that's the difference. I, I think he puts stress on a defense that, 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 quite frankly, Clemson doesn't win a national championship last year, even with all that great talent. If Kelly Bryant, if, if Trevor Lawrence is not there and, and with Kelly Bryant, I think Kelly Bryant is good. I think good enough for them to have made the playoffs nationally with him, but I don't think good enough to be able to win a national championship. So all that is, that makes a difference. So Clemson's at home. Overall, they may not be as talented defensively, but make the case that they're a better team with Trevor Lawrence, a lot better. So I think the thing comes down to defensively, you got to do a lot of things against Clemson. The first thing is you got to set the edge in the run game. And then you're going to have to match up against those big receivers that seemingly win 50-50 balls, will beat individual coverage consistently, and a quarterback that can throw the football effectively. So what type of pressures can you you know, mix up and what type of fronts can you give him to where you make him hold the ball just for a second so the pressure can get there? That's the key is stopping their, their offense. I do think A&M – could move the football. I think Jimbo is one of the best play callers and then one of the best identifiers of what teams are doing defensively. But it's it's to me, it's going to be defensively for AM. That's the variable to determine how close or how you know significant a margin of victory it would be likely for Clemson's favor. I, I do think Clemson's a better team here. And I'm very curious to see if you know if AM could potentially pull it. We said this yesterday. Clemson kind of stubs their toes at time. This ain't one of those type of games. This game means an awful lot to them, and they do. And their head coach loves to, much like Bob Stoops used to do, poke the bear at the SEC, and we're better not. So we, that conversation we just had, well, 
they they like it as you know we're going everybody every coach pumps up their league like it's the best and that's great but comical how they all think that it's like you know on you know of course they do it's like telling somebody you know what your daughter's not the prettiest it's the other guy's daughter I mean nobody <laughs> I mean, everybody thinks their daughter's the prettiest in the pageant of course and they should uh, but I I I think this that Clemson will be motivated play a very clean game game and. Um, I'm curious to see with that where AM could take this. I, I listen, I wouldn't be shocked if AM pulled the upset, but I'd be really surprised. I think it would be one hell of a job, and I think Kellen Mond would have to go off and have a big, big time game for it to happen. Uh, let's call it the bottom bowl, maybe the Arkansas Ole Miss game. Um, I find this game intriguing because one fan base is going to walk away saying, Goodness gracious, we actually lost to them. Um, are these the two uh, worst teams in the SEC? If so, is it clear right now? And what do you think of this game? I think they're two good candidates. I think Vanderbilt's got some playmakers. Um, they would be the other candidate that would fit into that category. Um, <clears throat> I, I think both teams defensively did some good things. Ole Miss played a pretty good offense last week. Um, Arkansas did not. So we're going to learn a little bit about what, what these defenses can do against one another. Um, Arkansas was sloppy on offense. Ole Miss just was non-existent on offense at the line of scrimmage. I, You know, th- this is an intriguing game, if for no other reason, because of what you said. It's I don't think there are many wins on the schedule for either one of these teams. And, you know, it's one of those things where everybody, you get, you get this, uh, Arkansas is going to shock some people. Ole Miss going to shock their fan base, you know. We're, we're, we're going to win eight and nine, you know. <laughs> eight and nine, what? I mean, you know, it just, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm just, I, 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 when I go strictly football, I can make a case for both. Man, Ole Miss at home is a little bit more desperate. Um, you know, that that might be the little bit of an edge. I know on LandryFootball.com, by the way, I got breakdowns on every game, every conference. I picked Ole Miss in a close one for no other reason that there may be a little bit more desperate. But, I, you know, neither one of her are good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to be the guy who – Pick this game, so I'll leave that <laughs> to you. I, I think um, it's Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite, though. Is that really Ole Miss? Really, seven-point favorite? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm not, not sure. Seven-point uh, Yeah, that may have piqued my interest. I could see me being an Arkansas guy with seven points on my side. Yeah, I mean, home field advantage I gets worth some points. How much? Well, Hemingway's nice. The Grove is nice. I'm not sure it's worth seven points. Hotty toddy, man. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty good scenery at the Grove. Uh, UT Martin, uh, Florida. Now, Florida's going to win this game, but they were so sloppy in the opener. It's it's a chance to tighten things up. They've had uh, an extra few days, and uh, you would you would certainly hope that they were uh, able to do that because, um, man, they, they're going to have to play a lot better than they did against Miami to be able to come out and, uh, beat some elite teams. You know, this is not meant to rub it in to any fan base or any team out there, but 
Florida's paying UT Martin $500,000 for this game. Tennessee played 950000 to Georgia State. Somebody didn't get their bargains worth in that deal. But this is, this is going to be one that I think Florida has to clean things up, as you mentioned, offensively. Um, you know, get Felipe Frank's confidence back, get him settled down. That's all you can do. That Get some the offensive line, get a little rhythm. But how about that? They're only paying $500,000 UT Martin to come in for that. That's a that's a deal. It's a pretty good deal. I mean, well, I, I just think you pay five hundred. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it makes me wonder a little bit why Tennessee didn't pay an in-state school five hundred thousand instead of an out-of-state school nine fifty. I would. I, I, think. I agree with that, and and that's a great point. And I'm always a big believer in that. You know why? Because you don't have to pay them as much because of travel costs. Nine hundred fifty grand for that embarrassment. Um, no, we can move on to that. That's that's enough on that. Enough, enough of that. But that's just something that came up this week in my research that I wasn't aware of. Don't pay a lot of attention to, but it did come across my desk that five hundred thousand dollars, good deal. So, so uh, what would you like to see Florida clean up on, uh, in particular on offense? Well, it, it's gonna, you know, it, it's gonna be. T- it's really not. People will call it a scrimmage. It's not a scrimmage. Because an in-game scrimmage, you're facing a lot better resistance here. This is a, not a good team at all. Um, I, I want to see uh, development in the running game, and I want to see Felipe make good decisions. I, I don't care about you know yards and all that stuff. Just know where to go with the football. A little bit better with that. Uh, I mean, he will. They'll make a lot of plays, so a lot of that will be camouflage. I, I think building of the confidence with the passing game, particularly with Felipe is the key. Um, I, I think they were able to get through that game, obviously with a win against Miami, but I think there's still some confidence issues that he's dealing with that um, coach Johnson and, and, uh, and Dan um, have got to, got to work with because that is going to determine whether they could, Stick with uh, listen. I think there's a number of games in the East that could challenge Florida. I think they're the the second best team in the East, no doubt. But you know, I don't think it's by a wide margin. And I think how this offensive line and Felipe's consistency develops is going to determine going forward. You know, the degree of how competitive Florida will be. They'll have a good year, but for the people that think that they're going to really have a good chance to challenge Georgia in the East. Uh, they're going to have to play a lot better for that to happen. New Mexico State, Alabama, another opportunity for uh, Alabama to get those young linebackers uh, s- some more experience, which because of the offseason injuries is key. And again, like you said, not a scrimmage, but this is an opportunity to get some uh, key quality snaps. Do you know this is the uh, the line on this is the largest ever for – the Saban team at Alabama. And I'm wondering though, wasn't some of those, wasn't a couple of those matchups they had no line on. So I guess when you got no line, that's an indicator. It's like a 55 point spread here, uh, which is, if it's division two, usually they don't put out a line. If you want to go offshore, you can sometimes get a line, but usually if it's division two, there won't be a line. So this may be the, largest spread in a line game, but we we may not know when they played maybe a couple of those teams. Anyway, 
there's uh, there's not a whole lot here in that metrics are not very good. I actually saw them last week because I was watching Washington State, and they're not really good. This is maybe uh, not just with the point spread. It's probably indicative of maybe one of the weaker opponents. So, look, I think a couple of things. Want to see not that that they're playing a good front, running the football, you know, getting coming off the ball a little bit. I think work that. I, I know the passing game and all that. I, I'd like to see more with the running game coming off the ball. Not that they're blocking good people, but come off the ball a little bit more and try to to get the five, which I think I know the five, but try to figure out the six best, the seventh best, and where they want to go. Figure out that offensive line is what I'm looking for. That probably as much as anything. The linebackers, yeah, they played well uh, last week against Duke. You know, but I think from an – here's what I would do, and I I would imagine that they're doing this this week. I would add a lot more to their plate this week, the linebackers. So what I mean by that is ask them to do different things, make more checks, because – the, if they if they make it wrong, it's correctable and it won't cost you a lot. It may it may cost you a big play here or there because you make the wrong check, which you don't want to have, but it's correctable in a game like this. And so, what I would do is in this game, I would just kind of add a little bit more to the plate and kind of see where they are because they did a nice job last week. Put a little bit more, and and I think games like this you can do that because obviously you want to have a little better feel for. What we need to work on for them as we get into conference play and what are we comfortable, you know, we're, we're, we're going to subtract, you know, ABC or XYZ off the plate for those type of games. So those are the two things I want to uh, want to see. I cannot sell anybody on the excitement of this game in terms of its competitive value. <laughs> That's a fair point. All right, uh, stay tuned. We've got game previews of Kentucky, Georgia, and Auburn. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Uh, more after this with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Stay tuned. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Eastern Michigan, Kentucky, Tulane, Auburn, Murray State, Georgia, and our big picks for the weekend, we pick the biggest, toughest games uh, each and every week. So we'll do that with LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, and Clemson. But first, the million-dollar question. They're both about a two-touchdown to 17-point favorite. If I made you pick who's more likely to upset, would it be Eastern Michigan over Kentucky or Tulane over Auburn? Oh, Tulane's the better team of of those two by far. In fact, I was going to mention that this will not be an easy game for Auburn. I don't think there's a real threat of losing it, but I would say there's a there's a a bigger threat for them. This is a really good team, a well coached team, and they run some option uh, style to it that will give them a lot of problems. And coming off that big win. Oh, no question about it. That uh, they've got to be mistake free, win the turnover margin by at least three or four. But this, if you're just matching up the teams, just just a pretty good two lane team. They they are going to be competitive in their league this year. Um, I, in fact, I was going to mention that is one of the more intriguing games for me 
just to see how Auburn responds. But Auburn will win. But if they are conservative, they may not have a lot of offensive possessions. Interesting. Makes me wonder about that 14-point spread for entertainment purposes only. What yeah. about the breakdown of uh, Eastern Michigan, Kentucky? Well, I think Kentucky, as they continue to work their running game, and Terry Wilson, was I thought, was impressive throwing the football. Uh, they win this game. I think they win it you know, potentially decisively, although you know, scoring a lot of points, more ball control is what Kentucky does. No, I, I I like Kentucky, you know, you know, definitely in the game, and I think they'll continue to get better. They don't usually make a ton of mistakes, a ton of mental errors that would cost them in a game like this. All right. And uh, lastly, uh, Georgia, I wouldn't think they'd have any problem this week. No, and I don't know how much they're going to show um, either. What they're going to work on is going to be interesting. Not sure. I think it's going to be a lot of the running game. That's what they want to do. Got Notre Dame coming up, and we'll get into that a little bit more next week. But, um, no, I think it's going to be uh, bloodletting. Okay. Big picks. You, you have taken LSU and Clemson. Is that correct in the past two Yeah, podcasts? and I don't. And to be honest with you, although I referred to a couple of point spreads, uh, I don't know what the – point spreads are so i'm not necessarily doing it with point spreads folks not 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 that i'd want you to take my advice on point spreads anyway but i think lsu wins and quite frankly i see it kind of in that 10 point range if i were to get and i don't know what the point spread is but that's kind of how i see it playing out lsu is a little too explosive they've got to control ellinger uh, contain him a little bit uh not let him go off i don't think texas could win the game I think LSU would have to lose the game. I think they're that much better from an explosive talent-wise, but I will throw this out. Tom Herman, as an underdog, is about as good as it gets. So there is an advantage, certainly from a head coaching standpoint, uh, big game standpoint. I, I think Tom Herman would probably trust him in a bigger in a big game more than I would Ed. It's about a six. Six-and-a-half-point favorite for LSU. I'm actually going to go with the upset outright. I'll take uh, Texas to win this game for the reasons you just said uh, uh, pertaining to Herman. As far as Texas A&M and Clemson, that number's uh, considerably bigger as uh, Clemson is uh, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow. Yeah. I'll take Texas A&M to cover that number, but Clemson to win. Yeah, I would think I would think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think A and M will be uh, tough to kind of blow out, but um, I could see the explosiveness of Clemson. There is a distinct, uh, definitely a seventeen point um, personnel advantage in this game by Clemson. But yeah, I think from a coaching standpoint, uh, I'd give A and M a an edge here. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games, everyone.